They're saying it's going to be the biggest draft ever, probably the largest event Las Vegas has ever had. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Ritter's first pass is a deep shot. He's got Tyler Scott, and he's into open space. First throw of the year for Desmond Ritter. Touchdown. And they got stuffed, and the ball came out. Stopped by Aiden Hutchinson. Third down and a turnover. And Sauce Gardner picks it up at the 40-yard line. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go at the draft. Right around the corner from it, about a mile down the road on Flamingo. This is the spot to watch the draft if you're not going to be in the uh, throngs, which I would recommend. It was a Las Vegas. If you haven't been to an event like this, get on down here. Get on down there. As uh, we are just down the road from uh, Koval and Flamingo, as that's where the uh, draft stage is all set up. John Von Tobel is here at Silver Sevens, Flamingo and Paradise. It's Cofield. Dangerous Danny is helping us out as uh, you get hyped there with the open of the show. One of the biggest events, one of the biggest drafts ever. They've been moving this thing around for the last handful of years. Nothing like Las Vegas. You hear uh, potential second-round pick Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati Radio Network. Also, Sauce Gardner and Aiden Hutchinson, who may be the number one pick. I don't know. Maybe he's the number seven pick. There's so much in terms of rumors and then outside of this market, which will explain what's going on with the betting here on the draft. There's a bunch of steam going in different directions. It's funny. I was just reading uh, Sammy P., our guy on sports betting on Tuesday, Sam Peniotovich, and he was talking about draft trifectas, which I did see. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many stateside books are offering it. There must be some, but I did see some, uh, you know, combinations where you could pick the order of offensive linemen, pick the order of how the defensive ends get drafted. So, not only is the event cool, and I've been hyped up for the last couple of weeks because I'm as much into a draft that's not about the quarterbacks as the real key positions that help you win in the NFL: defensive end, offensive line, and cornerbacks. I'm completely into this, but then when you add the cherry on top is all of the betting, and around the country, at a lot of books, you can bet right up until the draft. We've seen crazy movement. The fascination of the number one pick is, I, I this is nuts. I can't remember a draft where we had no idea what the hell was going on. Uh, let's get to it. So we start out with Knights out. Knights are out. We'll hit on this throughout the show because we're going to be thrown to the podium a bunch in the 5 o'clock hour. They are out, which... You know, it's it's a mixed bag on this whole deal, John. Bill Foley said playoffs in three years, cup in six. Playoffs a bunch of times, they didn't win a cup, and in year five, they missed the playoffs. So now year six is completely fascinating, I think. There's going to be a lot of changes. We're either going to see Bill Foley be patient, which may piss off a lot of fans, or we can see Bill Foley, as Adam Candy was saying yesterday, go big George route and just flamethrow the organization in different directions like George Steinbrenner used to do with the Yankees. This offseason is going to be awesome for stories. And obviously last night, another disaster where you can't win against a so-so team 
and the shootouts down the stretch, the fact that they had to keep going to shootouts and couldn't win in regulation kind of wraps the story of the season where scoring was just so inconsistent. Yeah, but I think I feel like if you're talking about the season as a whole and how you handle it going forward, with injuries being such a big part of how the season played out, I don't know why you would want to go scorched earth and blow things up, right? I mean, and blow things up is strong, but I would feel like, given the lack of games you got from star players and lack of production because of said injuries, that you would feel relatively comfortable with the base core that you played with to get here and still feel comfortable in your base timeline of Cup in six years. I mean, that's still an achievable task, is it not? There's no reason to – I mean, I think, it's not like you were fully healthy this year, were completely disappointing the entire way, and you didn't make the playoffs – I think missing personnel was a really big storyline this year. I don't think they win. I don't think they can win a cup right now with their current goalies. Oh, I'm not saying don't I don't think Robin anything. Leonard. I don't think Robin Leonard will be around. I'm not sure that you can rely on a guy who's good for 40 or 45 games a year with all of the drama off the ice with the social media. Um, his durability. You know, I I tried to bet you guys, and I wasn't rooting for it. I like Robin Leonard. You know, I know he's got a lot of issues, but I told everyone before the season, I'm like, you know, let's bet uh, a game's played prop and uh, you know i tried to set it somewhere in the mid 50s and no one would take it because well I do. um and logan thompson's a nice story i don't know that he's a stanley cup winning goaltender what are you talking about i, th- I thought he was that's all i hear well i think there are people out there because they're so anti-lenner right that want to you know basically want to line up and say anything nice about logan thompson so i mean with the right moves can they win a cup next year of course with the current goalie situation which is not sustainable, especially with Leonard and DeBoer around. So I don't know which of those guys are going to be around, if either one is going to be around. Right, and so that's kind of my point, though. Like, for, for what you're talking about, I think you kind of, at least the way I took it, you presented it as extremes. Like, if you keep your base core here, I mean, you only got, what, 31 ga- 33 games out of Jack Eichel this year? You, you keep the base core of what you have, make some tweaks. I would agree. Like, and I even remember talking to you about this. My whole thing in the Flurry leonard dynamic deal was, and as you well know, is the way that Leonard is currently treated by a lot of the outspoken fan base. But if your criticism is, yeah, he's not really available, that's a fair criticism. And you saw that again this year. Tried to gut it out with an injury. Didn't really work out. So if you're going to change things in terms of improving your goaltending situation, finding more consistency there, I would tend to agree with you. I don't know if Thompson is, you know, a majority of a uh, regular season guy. I think you want to still look to see if you can find like an A-minus type of goaltender. But regardless, you want to make tweaks at the fringes and see if you can improve there. But I think the base of what you have is actually good enough to compete in the NHL. More on VGK and missing out in the playoffs in the four and five o'clock hour big night of nba competing with the draft we've got the sixers and the raptors we'll get to the storyline there with doc rivers history in closeout games is not very good that's a 3-2 series sixers on the road trying to close things out barely a favorite in that one suns and pelicans is real interesting here because the suns have had a handful with the pelicans they want to get the hell out of the series they're on the road for game six and if you want to see if there's a sense of urgency with the Pelicans, or check that with the Suns to get this over. Devin Booker's going to play? Uh, yeah, so this just came down a couple, like about an hour or so ago. His uh, strained hamstring, they are going to test it. He's been upgraded from out to questionable. So, again, that, that's the key, too. He's testing it pregame. They expect him to be okay, uh, but we've seen this before, especially with soft tissue injuries. You test it pregame, doesn't feel right, eventually doesn't play. But he missed uh, suffered the hamstring injury in game two. Missed the three straight games after that. And so now the Suns, while they're up 3-2, they've not really played well. 
in New Orleans in the two games. On top of that, the bench has not been very good, only averaging 26 points. JaVale McGee's the only guy who can score off this bench. It's, it's, I think you need some bench production if JaVale McGee's your best offensive player coming off of your bench. So if he can play, it's massive because, like you said, they've had trouble with New Orleans. Those small ball lineups have killed them. Former Wyoming Cowboy Larry Nance Jr. has been a stud in this series for the New Orleans Pelicans. So if Booker can help, then obviously that gives you some offensive production. But it's pretty big if he can go. Last game of the night is a 7 o'clock start. Mavs, amazingly, most of the series without Luka. Is it? Well, you can tell us. It's 3-2. What is wrong with Rudy Gobert's face? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is insane, and it's it's – it's so typical, Rudy Gobert. He's right. such a weird guy. He apparently got stung by a bee. The right side of his face is like looks like it's drooping. Not just a bee. And, and all puffy. Explain where the not random bee came from. Right. It's from a hive that he owns. What are you doing? Now, I guess, like, do you make the argument? Because I didn't really see much on this. My first thought was some of these athletes are so weird about their health. Like, does he make his own honey? Like, if does he use honey as a sugar substitute and it's, like, fresh from the comb and he goes out there and gets them? But bees also – bees are super smart. So they have, like, some sense of loyalty. Do they not know who he is? Why would they betray him? I didn't know that. Yeah, like, they're super smart. You've, you've never seen these videos of, like, these beekeepers just scooping up handfuls of bees and, like, putting them back in their hive? Wow, that they're just crazy. Ah, yeah, well, I've, I stumbled onto Bee Talk, I think, a couple of months ago. Wait, uh, is that like, a podcast or a TV show? No, be TikTok. Like it was like oh, be talk. Yeah, okay. be talk. It was like a bunch I, of TikToks. I, you you, uh, you you pronounce it a certain way. I was like, oh, it's no. like be talk. No, yeah, no, not talk be, as in be like talk, be talk instead of TikTok. Okay, I mean, I'm sure there's a okay. podcast out. There. I, I got to hear about be talk. Oh, it's great. Like you said, there's this lady who's a beekeeper, and she like and she goes around. And here's the thing: she invades hostile bee territories. So like, she'll go and save people's homes from like bee takeovers. And she's just scooping up by the handful, putting them in a little box. She's like, you got to make sure you get the queen and you put them in here, and they'll all just follow. Everything's fine. And she's right. Oh, my God. The material tonight after the game and during the game from Chuck and Kenny and Shaq and oh. Ernie on Puffy Face, Rudy Gobert playing. It had to be him, too. Of course. The man who That's shut down the NBA. He, he's he's, <laughs> like, such, he's such a weird guy. So we got great storylines coming into the draft. I mean, I think the biggest one is – Who's the number one pick? This almost never happens that we have a mystery going to the number one pick. I don't know if we're going to find out in the next hour and 45 minutes or so, but Jacksonville has the pick. There are tons of people who still believe back to two months ago that you got Trevor Lawrence, you're taking a tackle. There are people still mocking the Jags to take a tackle. Aiden Hutchinson was a big favorite as of two weeks ago. Two days ago, hell. This week... Trayvon Walker has steamed heavily. What's the last number you saw? Minus 450. Minus 450. I haven't checked for an hour. Beginning so. uh, two days ago, I think he was 175. Yesterday it got up to 250. Minus 450 to now surprise everyone. I mean, it's, by the betting numbers, it's not a surprise. But surprise everyone and be the number one pick of Jacksonville. You know why, right? Why Trayvon Walker has uh, has become the favorite actually he's and this is why i always say he's become the favorite we just found out i think he if, the, if he goes he's always been like the favorite for jacksonville uh his arms if you, if you google trent balky in arms there's like actually a bunch of stories that come up about his love for defensive ends and defensive like interior pass rushers with long arms and that's like his thing and aiden hutchinson for a defensive end and that's going to be a national football league player to top five pick has t-rex arms 
and it's just not going to work out for him. That can be the difference. The other big storyline is you have multiple teams with multiple picks in the top 15. Yeah. There's going to be some movement. So is someone going to jump up, or are they getting out of the top 13? I mentioned 13 because the Texans have three and 13. Nick Casario, apparently, Nick Casario has apparently been telling people, you know, we might not stay at 13, which I think is really weird from a Patriots guy to be revealing anything right. about what he's going to do, which I think the assumption may, would be moving back. Maybe a smokescreen. No, there's both, both reports. If he doesn't like – how it's developing, he may get out of 13 and move back. If he likes what's developing in front of him, then he may jump up and try to get two picks in the top ten. Interesting. I mean, I, I would think, given how, given that the Texans need everything and given the depth at multiple positions in this draft, I don't see the benefit of having to move up if you're Houston. Given the fact that we don't think Davis Mills is going to be a franchise quarterback, if you have two picks and there is someone dumb enough behind you to rod up, and want to trade up and give up a first next year, then these piss-poor teams should be looking, especially the ones without a quarterback, to stock up on picks for next year. So what I'm saying is trade back, get extra picks, make sure you have more control of the draft by having some leverage. If you know if the Texans don't go you know, 2-15, and 3-14, and 14, and they're not sitting at the top of the draft, you're going to want to have some ammo just in case you need to move up. Same with the Eagles, who are further back, same Probably not with the Jets, but who knows? I mean, they could be in a Josh Rosen situation with Zach Wilson after the season where they're like, okay, he sucks. All right. We, we got to get out from, from out of this. And the Giants certainly are in that position because unless Danny Dimes is unbelievable, today we find out they're not exercising his fifth-year option, so they're going to need, you would think, they're going to be in the market for a quarterback. So I think next year's quarterback class is also part of the way people are going to figure how to manage their two picks this year in the first round. Yeah, it is. Uh, but I also think that these teams are smart enough, like you said, you know, getting maybe a little randy and jumping up to, to draft one of these quarterbacks. I, I don't – and this is just reading a lot. I don't get the sense that that's going to be the case. Yeah, I, I was even talking today with Matt Humans over on Vison in our show that I think that the Steelers could probably pull a New England Patriots and be extremely patient and get their guy Malik Willis at 20. Like they've, they've been tied to Malik Willis. They want him. I don't see the really – foresee any scenario in which a team would expend another first-round pick to move up to get some of these really flawed quarterbacks in the first round. Enjoy 77-cent Bud Light bottles during Vegas Golden Knights games at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. They really think they've got a good quarterback in Sam Darnold. So I believe in smoke screens, and I believe this is a big one because I'm not sure how you believe in Sam Darnold with the record he's accumulated over four years. So they address this in the draft, maybe not at six. I think ideally they'd like to pick up a third or fourth second round pick if they can because they don't have a second or third round pick, and then maybe draft the quarterback. You're listening to Cofield and Company. On ESPN Las Vegas. Panthers insider for um, David Newton talking about smoke screens and Panthers and the QB position. All right, so what are we doing? And what is the number? Do you have the latest number? If you don't, we'll look it up here. For what? Uh, for quarterbacks over under what number in the first round? Because I know you were talking about the under three and a half for the last six weeks. Yeah. We got any kind of movement? Uh, we do. What do we have now? Two and a half pick. Okay, so 
the books are feeling like yes. the, the fourth quarterback has no shot to be selected in the first round. And now three possibility, but we're basically split. Right. And, and this is – I do this every year. We do this all the time with quarterbacks. There's clear flaws with some quarterbacks, but because they're the most important position, the market overreacts and says, hey, man, fifth year of control. You could get four guys going in the first round. Last year uh, – wow, my name – who's the – we were just talking about the Texans quarterback, Davis Mills. There were people trying to make the case for Davis Mills to be a first-round quarterback last yep. year. Stop. And we do this every year. So there's, if you talk to a lot of people who evaluate these quarterbacks, they barely have first-round grades on Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett. There's no way. I shouldn't say no way because crazier things have happened. But if you're betting on it, to bet under, which I bet under 3.5 minus 188, to say that there's going to be four quarterbacks going, it's, it, I thought it was ridiculous. Sure enough, market set itself up. 2.5 pick, 115 both sides. Would you want to get back in at 2.5? I bet it under, maybe, if I got a good plus price. Really? Yeah. I mean, think about it. Like, we're talking about Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett. You can maybe lock them in stone that they're going to be top two. I've seen mock drafts that came out just a day ago that have one quarterback going in the first round. I like So if I if I were to get back in it, I would look at two and a half under if I got a good plus price. Uh, today I was over at uh, UNLV's final spring practice and had a chance to talk to the head coach, Marcus Arroyo. And Arroyo's got you know a pretty detailed background. Not only in terms of coaching quarterbacks, he coached Justin Herbert at Oregon and uh, was a quarterbacks coach, was the quarterbacks coach with OC Jeff Tedford back in 2014 with Tampa Bay. Um, And we got into the conversation about the draft and about the analysis from the organization side. But I started off the conversation with Coach Arroyo uh, mentioning from an NFL standpoint, what pops with quarterbacks to make them worthy of a high first round pick? Well, I mean, it's going to be in, based on really what they believe they need. I mean, there's some there's some traits that always stick out: the production, the decision making, the ability to make all the throws, um, the durability, the wherewithal. Obviously, the IQ. Um, both the IQ and the EQ at that position are something that there that plays into the it factor of that position. You know, the guys we've been fortunate to be around some really good ones. You know, I saw Jeff what he did with with all the guys at Cal and Aaron and all those guys, and then moving on to guys we've been fortunate enough to be around from from the golfs of the world. To, to Rudolph, to Mullins, to Herbert. I mean, they all have these 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 different you know uh, individual traits. But I think collectively they've got the work ethic. They've got some decision making. They've got productivity. Um, they've got the ability to, to, to really move move the football and, and, and lead a team. And I think that they lead in their own way. You know, I think that's the other thing too. Is you know, there's a there's a myth out there that you've got to be a, an extrovert to, to be a to be a competitive guy in the NFL to be a guy and I think you know Justin broke that a little bit last year uh, in a perfect example so um, at that position man there's just a lot goes into it they are the they're the heart of the whole thing and I think that that's what those teams are looking to check all those boxes and see who's got that a little bit of an it factor and who's put it on tape and, and guys who can rally around how hard is it to make in the league as a quarterback when you're a little bit smaller because Matt Corral's a smaller guy I mean people next year are very excited potentially about Bryce Young, but he's a smaller guy. How hard is it, you know, in terms of the measurables to survive as a 5'11", 6-foot, 6'1", quarterback in the NFL? You know, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting deal. I mean, there's still the you, you look back at all those guys, there's still the guys that, that weren't that big that had a lot of success. But I think, 
you know, you've got to be, uh, I think that a lot of it depends on what they're going to do with him. You know, what, what are you going to do with your guy? Are you going to create larger throwing lanes and a little more of an open offense? Um, are you going to go from under center? How, you know, how you're going to, how are you going to utilize it? And the NFL's not very different. It's, it's very, there's a lot of commonalities from team to team. And so, you know, the ability to have some pocket presence and see throwing lanes and see over guys and, and everyone's getting bigger, bigger and longer. And, uh, to have that range and that in that pocket to be able to see and be able to you you know use the arm angles you've got and, and leverage you've got at certain heights does play into it. Um, you know, it's just uh, you look at the heights of some of these defensive ends and tackles and stuff like that. And shoot, I mean, even in college now, it's, it's hard for me to see, you know, sometimes standing back there. But um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I it's, it can be done. We've seen guys do it. It's just the the, the, the overall. I mean, physiology of some of these guys is just incredible right now. It's just they're, they're big up front, man. You got to be able to see, and, and I think some of those guys have proven when they can, when you can see at that height, you can see the field better, and so on and so forth. How much do you think offenses have changed in the you know seven or eight years that you've been away from the NFL? Are you moving more towards? what college football is doing and, and I'll build that into it seems like wide receivers some are going into the league and having more success than young receivers used to have I mean there may be six seven eight wide receivers picked in the first round today yeah no I, I think that the, the ball um, from even when I think it probably started when we started even in the era we started coaching started coaching college when you started seeing spread offenses and in some more open uh, you know wide receiver sets and the quarterback and, and the play of the offense become more explosive um, in regards to wide receivers, spread offense, what they're doing with the guys, the, the ability for the quarterbacks to extend plays and those type of guys. Um, yeah, you're seeing that play out. I mean, going back to certain drafts and you're watching, you know, Garoppolo in his draft and you're watching what he did and we're, wa- we're watching, you know, Johnny Manziel in that time. I think Bortles was in that one. The next year was Marcus and Jameis and that group. And you're looking at guys still. I mean, you know, Marcus was in a spread offense at Oregon, you know. And I think we had Derek in a draft at Fresno um, who was a spread offense, you know. And, and, and obviously a lot of those things are coming into fruition now in the NFL. And you're watching all the quarterbacks. There's just a lot of it being played. I mean, if you look back into kind of how the trends, you look into high school football, there's so much seven-on-seven seven now. It's, 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 it's year-round. And so you're getting a group of a stock of athletes that play as much seven on seven football as they did when we grew up playing other sports soccer baseball whatever and and so they're getting in these levels of college and getting into, i think they've got inherently just more more uh, wherewithal when it comes to throwing in the passing game and so i think you're starting to see it like you said i mean i, I looked at the board the other this morning a little bit just to, as i as, as we were coming in early and i, I listened to it a little bit and just to hear there's four or five wide outs in the top 12 picks is just uh, unbelievable it's, it's incredible and i think that you know that trend is starting to be something where they got to keep up you know um, you got to score some points i think it's become a, a point game and and uh i think that there's a ton of commonality now between what we do in college and what's happening in the NFL. so with that seven on seven is that specialization good for you guys because a lot of people bemoan the uh prep athletes not playing every sport mm-hmm. yeah they concentrate on one sport it's probably better for you guys right as football coaches yeah it can be i i think there's 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 a little bit of both we encourage guys not i'm of the mind you play it all um I think that there's a lot to be said about, uh, you know, using your feet in soccer. I think there's a lot to be said about arm angles in baseball. I think there's a lot to be said about being able to move in basketball and and, and, and hand-eye coordination in baseball. And, and a lot, there's a lot of things that play into it, in, into sports. And I think that those things do end up still being able to be evaluated in football. You watch a, uh, 
uh, you watch a center fielder track a ball and you watch a receiver catch a deep ball. I mean, there's some there's some value there. You watch a middle infielder quarterback with arm angles and you watch a guy with a really strong arm, you know, center fielder quarterback, and you're like, okay, didn't you know what kind of wrist thing, what kind of wrist does this guy have and things like that. There's some there's some mechanical things that really play into it, you know, um, that I think you can look into. Um, and so if they don't play those. And they just play football, then you know they, you've got one sport. You don't be able, to, you know, you don't know what other ranges those guys may have and some other things. So um, I, I'm a I'm a believer in playing all the sports, but you do have a, these guys have a ton of football background now, especially in the passing game. You know, it's because there's so much. There's just a ton of seven on seven. They're throwing the ball. It can also work against you a little bit because these guys are also believe they can make every play down the field. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit different when they put those big guys in front of you. Last one from an organizational standpoint, the NFL. So you were with Tampa Bay. I think you were there for the 2014 draft. You'd gotten there earlier that year. I'm sure every organization is different, but how much input do you have as coaches? You were the quarterback coach, and in the end, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, I think Tampa went all offense in that 2014 draft, headed by Mike Evans. But how, how much of a collaborative effort is it with the coaches, or is it just personnel people? You know, the head coach and the GM. Yeah, I mean that that experience, and then being around the other places just as, as flies on the wall and some other stops. I think every I, I learned every place a little bit different. I think the input is different at every stop. Um, some places you do, I mean, you, you do a, a, an amazing amount of write up. Some places you don't. Some places you know, the coach has got a few little say in it. Sometimes they have more say. It's everywhere is a little bit different, um, but it's definitely interesting, man. You do a ton of, a ton of background work, a ton of football work, a ton of study on the guys, and at the end of the day, as a coach, you, you do whatever they ask you to do, and you turn in the information you've got. You may have to present a couple times and what you believe in it, it, it sticks out with a certain guy they may come to you um, together or individually and ask what you think about either in other positions um, and then you, they, they build up their, their, their profile and then they go from there um, but I think every place is different I can't speak for everywhere some places have I've heard have a lot of input and some places the coaches have no input um, and so it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting process um, and uh, it's, it's one that's you know you're in this business for a long time you study it a lot you're like wow you know it's intriguing in a lot of ways um sometimes very intriguing and surprising but um it's uh it's interesting man it's it's, it's fun it's, it's a good time there he is marcus arroyo the head coach at unlv longtime quarterback coach in both college and the nfl will react to what he was saying about the quarterbacks and the uh, process of evaluating quarterbacks how deep the wide receiver position is and how ready wide receivers are maybe in this draft to walk right in and be big time contributors on the way back we'll get you ready for uh more of this massive night in the NBA, a lot more in terms of updates on the betting on the NFL draft. First pick, 5 o'clock. If you want to hear all the uh, hardcore NFL coverage, turn in right now or tune in right now to Raider Nation Radio 920. Coverage has begun. It goes all throughout the weekend. The stars of Lotus Broadcasting, JT the Brick, Eric Allen, Jason Fitz, are doing the uh, pre-draft show up until 5 o'clock, and then they'll have a uh, post-draft show uh, tomorrow night. they got a pre-draft show tomorrow Full coverage all the way through Saturday, uh, led by the one and only JT the Brick. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. We are people that live in a world, what have you done for me lately, correct? He goes to Philadelphia, and then we saw they were up 18 points in game four against the Hawks. They had a 26-point lead in the third quarter in game five, and he squandered that series as well. So what have you done for me lately, Doc? You haven't done anything for me. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Rolling on Silver 7s, first round of the draft is up here in about 
90 minutes. Eric Andre, director of marketing at Silver Sevens, is here with us. Flamingo in Paradise, you want to come on down. Two bars to watch the draft at, of course, the William Hill Race on Sportsbook. All right, so what are we doing? We're rolling out some cool specials tonight and all throughout the weekend to celebrate the draft being in town? Yes, uh, during the whole uh, draft weekend, during or actually while the draft is going on, we're going to do 77-cent bottles of Bud, Bud Light, and Michelob Ultra. And then also starting on Mondays uh, in May, we're actually going to do a couple food specials in our cafe where we're going to have Meatloaf Mondays for four seventy-seven, and that comes with mashed potato and veggies. And then we're going to do large one-topping pizzas. So, you know, if you're still hanging around after the draft, you'll be able to go up to our cafe and, and splurge on some food before you go head home. Let's do it. Let's do it. The, uh, the beer special now, well, unfortunately, VGK season ended. That's a bummer. Yeah. So not only did VGK disappoint the fans of Las Vegas, <laughs> kind of screwed them over with the beer specials here at Silver Sevens. But uh, your beer specials for the draft kind of go in line with what you were doing all year with the NFL, too. Yes, they do. And, again, we want to be in the spirit of the NFL draft being here in Vegas and also our team members. Uh, if you come down, you'll notice that they're actually wearing their favorite NFL uh, football team jersey. All right. I know the, uh, the server who mans the uh, Bud Light bar. Is always wearing, uh, I think it's Packers gear, so we might have to talk her out of that. Not, not. I'm not getting like smutty. I just mean change the jersey, right? <laughs> it's Eric, sure. Eric likes terrible that. team. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful. Now I'm going to get called up to HR. Uh, what else is cooking? Anything going on with? Uh, I know with the A play card, you guys have April showers, so you got some cool giveaways. Yeah, we do have some uh, different promotions that are going to be starting in May. But the one thing, because whenever I come on air, we always talk about, you know, the big things happening. We're actually going to start remodeling our Sterling Spoon Cafe in about a week, week and a half. So that will be going through a whole transition. Uh, We'll have new tables, chairs, flooring. It's going to be completely remodeled. Let's do it. Let's get that thing open 24 hours again, too. It's one of my favorites. I'm telling you, this is a a – I know, I'm always pressuring you guys. I'm like, let's go, more, 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 more. Uh, but, you know, as time has gone along, you've revitalized the entire property, the rooms, the pool. So things uh, are going well down here at Silver Sevens. What else, Eric? Anything else? Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, just come in. Again, if you get tired of standing in the, the heat or the wind, come on down and enjoy the 77-cent beers. There you go. Bud, Bud Light, Mick Ultra, 77 cents. And that's from the beginning of the draft here at 5 o'clock all the way through the end of round seven on Saturday. Eric, appreciate it, man. All right. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having us down here. All right. Uh, bye-bye. Year-long deal with uh, Silver Sevens, and we're, I don't, we've been down here like five years now, so these guys have been super, super loyal. All right, we talked about some of the big storylines tonight in the NBA. Uh, Utah Jazz will have Rudy Gobert, even though he got stung in the face by a bee, one of his own bees. We'll explain that later. Yes, he has bees. We've got Devin Booker back for the Suns for Game 6. That's earlier than we thought. And then we got this weird deal. Like, if it were any other series, big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Sixers at Toronto. All right, they haven't closed it out the way they wanted to. Let's just finish things out tonight against a, frankly, an uh, outmatched Raptor team. But because Doc Rivers has his history of his teams not delivering in closeout games, how bad is the, the – is it 31 losses? Is that what it is? I think it's an NBA record. 31 playoff losses in closeout games. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's, he, he by far leads all all-time coaches, and um, I don't think we have the bite, but his – his list of excuses where he basically threw past teams under the bus. He he was talking about, so he had that Orlando Magic team. The year before the Pistons won the title, that uh, opened up a 3-1 series lead on them. They were an eight seed. And in media availability the other day, he's, he's like, I wish you guys would get this right. You look at that roster. You see that Magic team? We'd be lucky. We are lucky to get up. Hello? The Pistons who won the title. I can't hear you, man. 
I don't know what was happening there. I think I heard it. But either way, he was making a lot of excuses. And I don't think it's not good for Doc Rivers because if you're looking at it just from the perspective, like he's clearly feeling it, right? Even when about it, I think there's like a, a way to approach it where you're just like, uh, you know, hey, that the past is the past. We're focused on closing this out. But he kind of snapped, and he went over every 3-1 series lead that he has blown and made excuses for each one. And now I mean, you see he has, him here again. He has a right to defend himself. And we, we saw how emotional he was uh, during the, uh, the whatever you want to call it, the bubble, the NBA bubble during COVID, right? And he, he was – I don't mind that he speaks his mind. And I, and I wouldn't want to be bashed all the time for my record. But it just seems like wrong place, wrong time. Right. I just I think there's get some, through the series, dude. You don't don't defend your record. Also, like if you're if you're a member of that Orlando Magic team and you're hearing that, you're looking around like I'm sorry. Like, why are you throwing me under the bus? Where did this come from? Like, that was nearly 20 years ago. You're chilling, uh, watching the NBA postseason. The Doc Rivers, you're catching strays. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I'm not that fired up about it as we talked about. Draft, 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 draft. Coming up in just six days Yay. in Las Vegas. Stop it, Miles. At least pretend <laughs> to care. The draft in all sports is an archaic, somewhat primitive way of dictating the way people's professional lives are going to go. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. So many amazing things going on with the draft. You got the uh, some of the PFT curmudgeons. I don't know what their problem is. They make their living off the NFL. All right. You got a bunch of them who are like, oh, the draft. I mean, what's more exciting than seeing the salvation that's available to guys like you, Freeze, who's the coach at Liberty, who was booted out of the SEC because apparently he was had a whole freaking harem of, uh, of prostitutes and escorts, and now he's in Sin City – Talking about his quarterback prospect, played at Liberty, Malik Willis. That's right. <laughs> Love a good comeback story. And the National Football League, uh, League is here on the ground with multiple setups, parties all over the place. Uh, just what? 18 years ago, they were going around with a tape measure measuring the TVs, the 53-inch TV rule. Anti-Vegas, you can't make money off the NFL without us getting a cut of it. Well, you now you get a cut of it, and they're here. And we're happy they're here. We're happy the Raiders are here. But I don't know. Xavier Pope, I feel like, is in a grumpy mood on draft day. What's your problem, bro? <laughs> I ain't no hater. And who did, who did you play in that lead-in? Because that sounds like someone just ripped the tweet right off my timeline. That's exactly what I said. I yeah, that was, uh, that was a bunch of the writers from uh, Pro Football Talk uh Including for one of our regulars, Miles Simmons, and he's been saying it for a couple of weeks. He's just not that fired up about the draft. Yeah, I mean, I think that having gone to one of these things in Chicago before, prior to the pandemic, uh, it, this year is in Las Vegas. Uh, I've I've had you know I've gone to the different exhibits and thrown the football around a little thing, you know, little piece, and it's an it's an overhyped, overrated thing. Um, and no job do you have that they're drafting kids out of college to work in the finance industry or whatever industry you want to call it. And you're, you're essentially restricting players' movement. They're, right now, they have name, image, and likeness. They're able to do what they want to do. But then you get have to go to a specific team because they chose you for the job. Uh, 
Um, it's archaic. It's outdated. The model is is toast. And this was part of the relationship between amateur sports, the NCAA, and professional sports to kind of bifurcate what that system looked like. Well, now that system looks a lot differently over the last five years. And so even with the NCAA now tapping into the gambling and gaming, gaming space, why do you still need the NFL draft? Because it's a moneymaker and they can't come up with a better idea. Yeah, I think that's pretty much what it is. But I don't think that, you know, at some point there is going to be a player that challenges the draft system because I mean, we've seen it in, in multiple ways that players have challenged the draft system. We saw what happened with uh, in the beginning of. Uh, what was it? Uh, was was Drew Brees in the beginning of his career and how he? I'm not going to play for that team, and he wound well, up going e- to a different e- team. E- and- Eli Manning, yeah, Eli Manning. Eli, Eli Manning, yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah, that's right. That was. It, yeah. it, it, thanks for correcting me on that. Yeah. So we've seen players challenge in terms of I don't want to play for that team, and they wind up getting drafted by another team. But until there's some widespread, hey, I'm not going to do this. I'm. I want to be able to chart my own path. Then we're still going to have this archaic system, but it will change one day, Steve. It will. We'll see. I'm, I'm not so convinced. Xavier Pope is well. I'm not a curmudgeon. Uh, sometimes you are, but yeah. most of the time you're not. A little bit. Um, Doc Rivers and his defense of his crappy record in closeout games. Do you think that was a little bit weird? No, I think it was just a coach defending himself. I mean, every time the, 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 any of his teams have been in that situation, it's been Doc Rivers defending himself. He talked about you know, what happened in Orlando and, hey, he was playing, you know, the Pistons, eighth seed. And then he goes on and talks about his relationship with the Clippers and how Chris Paul didn't miss the first two games of the series when they unceremoniously bounced from playoffs when they was the, the you know, Lob City. And then they and he did admit that, that the Clippers did below the bubble against the Mavs and, and, and Luka, Luka Doncic. I mean, and but he also said it was in unique condition. So he gave a lot of different, quote unquote, excuses for why. He's done what he's done in his career. But you talk about closeout, he did close out a championship with Boston. He does have a ring. So, Where do you feel the NBA is right now in terms of young stars and passing the mantle from some of the veterans like LeBron when he goes away? Because Ja Morant, freaking everyone exploded this week with Ja. Yeah, I mean, that series of just two young stars going back and forth at it. Uh, and so I, Ja Morant, I mean, I, I said this earlier on my timeline that he reminds me of Derrick Rose, his explosiveness, his ability to move around, get to the, you know, dunk and being a smaller player. Uh, he can distribute the ball whenever he wants and he gets hot. When he gets hot, he's like one of the most exciting players in the league. Um, John Moran is a spectacular player. Um, and that, that team is losing the series if they didn't have him playing the way he's, the way he's played in the end of those games. Yeah, I think Xavier, the risk with a guy like Ja, he's explosive, but he also carries the same risk as a guy like Derrick Rose, right? Because you can lead the league in points in the paint as a guard, but he also takes a lot of hit, and he's already missed a lot of time as a young guard. Yeah, that's a really great point. And this is the 10-year anniversary of Derrick Rose getting Derrick Rose actually getting hurt uh, in, a, in the series uh, versus the Philadelphia 76ers and being in, held in that game. And while the city of Chicago still hates Tom Thibodeau to this day, playing them during garbage time but yeah you, you're right about that if you you, you, know, you learn as you advance your career that you got to be a little bit smarter take care of your body and find different ways to get shots off i mean he can hit his three he hit the three-point shot he could fake drives and you know he put his shot up and do something to that effect but i mean it, that's the instinct to get to the paint and score he can do it and he looked great a couple of nights ago but i mean that oof, it, it's
challenging to to continue to play like that and expect to be uh, healthy every year. Xavier Pope is with us, uh, lawyer, host of Suit Up News and legal and cultural contributor right here on Cofield and Company. All right, we got a Sage Steel lawsuit <laughs> against ESPN. Um, she was put on the sidelines for a little bit after some vaccine comments a while back. They gave her some plum assignments. Her attorney said, well, they only did that as a cover-up uh, just so they wouldn't get in trouble. Can violation of free speech at the workplace, this one's interesting. I, I think that the whole interesting aspect about free speech, uh, this is the same person who criticized Colin Kaepernick, uh, Sage Deal, um, and interesting that she wants to say uh, that ESPN, a private company, is is restricting her ability to say what she wants to say. I mean, you have uh, your contract; it determines what you can and can't say. Uh, and uh, but I do that ESPN may may have made some mistakes in terms of how they handled uh, what they've said to her, and maybe there are some contract issues that are there. That's where the issue is, not her free speech. Say uh, uh, still clearly doesn't know what free speech free speech actually entails, but her lawyer should. Xavier Pope is with us. All right, um, God, we have so many good stories today, but we're up against it. <laughs> I, know, um, right? I wanted I wanted to throw this one out there. Um, I saw a story in New York about pizza-infused, check that, uh, weed-infused food, yeah. including pizza. But you're pointing out that, like, legally, there there's some pitfalls here. There there's some there could be some problems. Yeah, I saw, you know, in, in NYC talking about putting weed in, in pizza. But then you, you have the element that's of the pot itself in terms of the legality of it. But you also have the fact that it's food preparation, how you're preparing it. And what it, it's also a drug. So how much weed is in the pizza what warnings that have to be given for the pizza uh in terms of age uh, the, the availability of the the food contamination issue some of the food safety issues and preparation issues there are all these legalities that that come along with it and then what if someone you know gets sick and what it what it means for uh any liability to that effect i mean it, it's a big big risk for you to be serving weed Pizza. I mean, that's probably the best thing people would want to eat at two, three a.m. in the morning. Right. But can we but can we can we just can we just do old school and just smoke a joint or pop an edible and then eat the pizza? Does it have, <laughs> I mean, to, be, they, does it have to be in the pizza? Like you, you still get, it's still the same thing. I mean, they got what Taco Bell and like KFC in the same restaurant now. So right. I, mean. <laughs> I think we, I think we perfected it. We don't need to go next level. Uh, last thirty seconds here, Xavier. What's going on with Suit Up News? Uh, go, just go to my timeline at at Xavier Pope E X A V I R P O P E hashtag suit up news. On uh, the last episode, we talked about uh, the impact of the mass mandate, how it impact other rights uh, of of Americans as well. New episode drops this weekend. Come check it out. Xavier, have a good weekend. Enjoy the draft, man. Enjoy it. Come on. I will try. There you go, <laughs> Xavier Pope. Thank you. By the way, he had a, a great tweet, and it's some. I watch a lot of commercials. You guys know that. None of you do. Uh, have you ever seen the commercial? Okay, all right. Have you ever seen the Medusa commercial? Yes. Okay. So there's a moment in the Medusa commercial where there's a bartender. He just gives a chick who's with Medusa with the sunglasses on, just gives a look, and Medusa's like, okay, you're dead. And Xavier pointed it out on social media like, a little much, isn't it? Uh, yes. And, in fact, I presented that to Isabel the other day. Your wife? Yes. And what'd she say? And she was like, I can see where she's coming from. And I was what? like, no. We're not allowed to look sent- at you without a death penalty? Sentenced to death. And as you're watching, all the chicks are like, ah, (laughs) he's dead.